Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. I mean, I guess we should start this fucking thing. Uh, hey, welcome oh, to another episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We are in the second week of our uh, Black History Month. Uh, I don't know if you call this book Black History. That's a, it's a uh, weird one. There's um, some things to discuss with this book. <laughs> there are. Um, yeah, we'll get into that because I have mixed feelings about this book as well. Uh, but yeah, this week sure. we're doing Strange Fruit uh, by J.G. Jones. Uh, from what I understand, basically created the concept and was the artist. And then Mark Wade did the scripting on it to what I can tell. Um, mm-hmm. That seems to be the general consensus. Uh, but uh, we have our sort of standard group with us. Uh, we will start with the puppy himself, Mr. Adam. Arf, arf, arf. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, what's up? This uh, is Adam up in Salt Lake City. Uh, I'm no longer useless at work. Yay, no longer Yay. useless. Although some people don't let me do my job and keep on emailing me shit I'm already doing, so it's like, fuck off. That's called having a boss. Yeah, <laughs> she's not even Welcome. my boss. She's just a random. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. I it, always say Todd and boss are both four letter words. This is and so is Adam. Yeah, I, I, I had someone. Know. I had someone see angry Adam come out at work the other day. They, Ooh, they yes. angry so, Adam. Yeah, I, 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 had, like angry I, I had someone complaining that they only got a four percent raise instead of a ten percent raise. I'm like, bitch, I didn't get a fucking raise. What are you complaining about? Uh, anyways, that's that's neither here yeah. nor there. But. Here we are. Uh, yeah, so we're here doing this, and uh, unfortunately, our good friend Maya could not be with us today. She uh, she actually had to take some work home, but she does want to be on next time. Fantastic. Although, un- love to have her. Unfortunately, she has my books. I let her borrow it last Friday, so I will try to go off a lot of this from memory, or I'll be Wikipedia and stuff really fast. So, Well, and I have yeah. mine in front of me for a rare change, because... Let's be honest, Alan's desk is a lot bigger than mine, so I have enough... Is it now? Um, She has a bigger desk than you? I know where this is going, Lena. I know this is where we're going, but continue, yes. Let's do it. It's probably not that the desk is larger. It's that she doesn't have a space station set up on her desk like you do with yours in California. Typically, I would agree with you, but you are wrong on one major point on that, is that Alan's desk was actually purchased... As a desk, like it is a standard size <laughs> desk. I built my fucking desk out of wood and made it work within a bookshelf. So it's basically just an attachment onto a bookshelf that I had uh, built. Okay. So, was it on the same desk from your previous place? Uh, mm, uh depends. Oh, sorry, that's a long one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the place I had. I, I had seen one version of your desk when you the were. The one in I had in Irvine, where I'd built and I'd used the pipes for legs and shit like that. That's yeah. the one that I have now. Yes. When I was dude, that thing's not large. No, it's not. It's tiny. See, so Todd will verify. It's, it's a little bit tiny. A desk, right? Hey, bitch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could stand next to that desk and feel very comfortable. Any <laughs> <day>. <laughs> yes. So, Lena, I'm not arguing with you that I do have a space station at my desk, which I do appreciate. And luckily, Ellen has an external monitor with me, so at least I have two screens in front of me. So I'm feeling. Okay. About I'll also that. say you had to go space station out of necessity. Kind of did. Yeah, I really did. Cause mm-hmm. like I, Oh, see, we're trying to defend myself to Lena. What does she do? She gets up and walks away. She walks away. And walks away. We, uh, bitch, we can whine about her until she puts her headphones in and then be like, Oh, and then we'll act like we were not talking shit about her the entire time. 
Oh, the whole time. Can you imagine? Yeah, that? no, we, would, we wouldn't be walking the whole. We wouldn't be talking shit the whole time. She wouldn't be rolling her eyes at us. She wouldn't be about to be introduced, and I wouldn't be throwing her under the bus because her mic happens to be muted. Hi, Lena. Silence. You're a bitch. Yes, Hi. I am. <laughs> that's my line. <laughs> Wait, Brian, what is it that my text tone says to you right now? Uh, you're a goddamn liar. You're a goddamn liar. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Which Barely is funny because like, my coworkers well. now know who's texting me. Anyway, hi, I'm Lena. Uh, hey! I'm hey. all of that just got cut out, and I, if it hasn't, I'm definitely a catty bitch. But I am an uh, event salesperson based out of Denver, Colorado. Very excited to be here. And then we will introduce the last member of this week's podcast as he Fancy fucking rosé from a bag. It's, it's house wine from a box. Yeah, it is. Uh, and it's a tasting, so it's classy. Yeah, from, it's classy as fuck. Okay, so in Utah, the classy as fuck, pinky out motherfucker, hey. Mr. Todd. What hey, up? I'm Todd here in Salt Lake, um, near Adam, yet so far away. So I haven't been adjacent away. to Adam. Since March. Anybody stay in one place? Oh my God. And see, I went to the... Dude, I, I'm just waiting for him to finish. I know. <laughs> That's what she said. Here, far, <laughs> wherever you are. My heart will go on. <laughs> That's not even the words, because... Oh, that second glass of wine mm. just kicked in. Kids, we're going to have some fun. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. We haven't started yet. We have I'm Todd. I'm here in Spotlight. We have been for 35 minutes, and we have not even gotten through intros yet. Here's the funny but thing about it is, is every time we the, do that, I have to cut up so much shit that like, we'll be like four minutes into the episode at this point in time. People are like, wow, they're fucked up. Like, you have no idea. <laughs> you didn't peek behind the curtain. Have, like Sasquatch standing outside of the door for like 30 minutes because he thought it would be done because Lane's we like, really oh, it's like 45 to, minutes. We yeah, need to have Sasquatch yeah. talk on the show. We need to talk to this young gentleman. If but he, he wants to, like, he wants to listen in, so. Okay. And he well, like, I feel like I should talk to these guys. And I was like, well, yes. yes they <laughs> we should talk totally to talk to him. <laughs> we really <laughs> want to talk to him. I want his phone number I so I can. He's confused on what his name actually is. <laughs> no, he knows. No, he knows. Wait, we were at Dick's. I, th- I know I told Brian this, but we were at Dick's Sporting Goods getting him a pair of sweatpants. And we're, st- we're like. Sasquatch for a spe- sweatpants? Yeah. Why? Doesn't it look like he's wearing a sweater already? <laughs> <laughs> he's a Sasquatch from the waist up. Uh, oh my god! He doesn't measure it from the floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's another oh, awkward story I, for another okay, time. Okay, so <laughs> I got a blush out of Ellen. <laughs> Elena. He, oh, I know. <laughs> right now. We're I know. <laughs> it helps with their future besties, though, so I think it'll be okay. <laughs> I know. But they, uh, anyway, so we're we're get, we're getting ready to check out, and they had a like this huge display of Nalgene bottles, and one of the Nalgene bottles had a like Bigfoot with like a tree next to him, and he grabs it. And he goes, "How funny would it be if I like started drinking out of this when we were?" In <laughs> and I was like, "I love the fact that you have embraced this shit," and he's like. He's like, so what's your nickname? And I went, well, now they call me Mrs. Squatch. And he goes, I can dig it. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, though, it is an ultra manly nickname. It's not like he's like, 
Princess Tweedletoes. That's me. That's you. <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, as nicknames goes, like Sasquatch, he's like, yeah. Start yeah. grunting a lot and doing well, a Tim Allen just, comparison. And what's funny is, is he was like, so why? I was like, well, you're really tall and you really like to be outdoors and you camp and you trail run. And he was like, yeah, it makes sense. And I went, yeah. See? It's not My a kind weird of guy. stretch. He's, like, no, he totally gets yeah. all he Yeah, I see that. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's not derogatory. It's not negative. It's Here's just like, the yeah. best part, though. And this mm-hmm. is what I thought was fucking hilarious. So he and I meet. My sister and her best friend come in with my car the next week. We ended up in Nederland, Colorado, just by happenstance. It's up in the mountains, up like mm-hmm. right outside of Boulder. We're walking around Nederland, and there is stuff about Bigfoot and Sasquatch everywhere and i'm like (laughs) what the fuck is going on they do it's apparently it's like a thing in netherland about how like there's like they there's always sasquatch sightings it's like one of the big places they always have like the hunters always come he and i talk the next week Mm -hmm. when i see him and he goes yeah, I really love camping, and we're talking. And he goes, "My favorite place to be is Netherland." <laughs> <laughs> I'm a prophet. <laughs> You're a prophetic. <laughs> Bow before my knowledge. I be can see beyond. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I was like oh, that, and that was at that point that I was like, "I have to tell you what your nickname is." I just yeah. have to. I was like, "This is just too good." I have to tell you. <laughs> friends and I called you yeah. until we met and he was just like really and I was like you actually had a pretty good nickname some I'm like some of the other yeah, ones like, were fuck yeah, they're like, I mean yeah I'm glad I didn't waste a good name nickname on him like I'm, I'm pretty happy about that yeah so yeah anyway Todd did you ever fully introduce yourself or do we want to just fuck it and move on Todd Salt Lake yo so Adam what's our uh, cocktail for this week so our cocktail this week is called the white savior Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I call first I love that game. so much. So the first game is mine. Oh yeah, okay. This one you take uh, a shaker that's empty. So we're gonna dry shake it first. You add two ounces of a dry gin, one half ounce of Cointreau or any kind of orange liqueur, uh, half ounce of fresh lemon juice, one egg white. Uh, you're gonna dry shake it first. Add ice to it. Shake it again, and then you're going to strain into a chilled martini glass, and you're going to garnish with a lemon twist. Nice. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just like, like the white just savior. Like being a white what are you savior? doing? I'm drinking the white, <laughs> white savior. savior. That's <laughs> yeah, my drink of choice. White you're drink, savior. You're drinking Jesus? Can I have a double, please, of the white savior? I'll take two white saviors. Drink enough of me. you walk on water. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, Todd, what is your drinking game rule for this week? Someone's going to be mad about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so every time you're reading a page or they even comment on it and the, uh, the character goes, hmm, this is going to ruffle a few feathers. Mm-hmm. You should take a drink. Okay. Similar, and mine comes with a side story. Um, I'm going to call mine uh, uh, Rebel Yell. Every time you see a mm-hmm. Confederate flag, take a drink. Ooh, My side story with this is is that I would like to add is that um, back when I was in college, I went to Lagoon, for those of you who are in Utah, and we went to Pioneer Village. And I'm similar sorry. to when we went to uh, Lagoon and we got the picture of all of us, which now that Landon's with us, next time we're all in Utah, Landon, we need to go do yes. a new... Yes! Pi- so you, they have this like, little Pioneer town in, in Lagoon, Landon. Mm-hmm. Okay? 
and they do like old timey photos. And so like you put on these clothes and like you can look at like cowboys or like whatever. So I went there when I was in college and Q was with me, a bunch of other people. But I've it's all seen like, this photo. Yes. Okay. But this is the photo. Right. I'm about. So but in this time, Brian, Adam and I all need to dress like whores. Yes, absolutely. And then so just so wear we, my normal clothes. Because okay. we recreated the photo when <laughs> yeah. Q came out and visited and met Adam for the first time. So now we need you to come out to Utah and we'll all go out and we'll do a third version of this photo, right? Of us all just being fucking atrocious Things human beings. Things to plan for after COVID. Exactly. Oh, yeah. No, not wearing those fucking costumes in COVID. Oh, my God, no. Anyway. But the part of the point I wanted to bring up is that in the first version of the photo, my friend Phil, who is a costume designer in Salt Lake City yes. area, he is wearing in that photo a a Confederate flag, a cowboy hat, <laughs> two gun belts, else. no shirt, and a big old <laughs> smile. And when they put the Confederate flag around the main character's waist and said, someone's going to be upset about that, it reminded me of like, oh, yeah? Imagine a gay man. <laughs> With a cowboy hat and that and a smile, that's gonna piss somebody off too. So like that brought a warm piece to my heart, um, and uh, and so anyway, that's why I wanted to claim that. That's why I wanted to throw a little story in there. Lena, do you have a drinking game rule for us? Uh, yeah, it's um, <clears throat> is this true? Uh, <laughs> you question if this story is accurate. Uh, take a drink and small sips. Small sips. Small sips. It's going to be through the entire book. Yeah. Um, That's right. Uh, Mr. Adam. Uh, So mine is called Stick a Finger in It. Uh, Every time someone talks about uh, the levee breaking or something flooding or the river overflowing. Okay. Uh, I mean, you could also call that the Led Zeppelin rule for when the levee breaks. I was going more with like stick your finger in the dike. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Right. uh, And, you know, the finger and... Or like the middle finger they were giving people in this one, pretty much. So. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, Adam, I got a text message from you throughout <laughs> the course of the week saying, yes. I have opinions on this book. I also have opinions on this book. I'm sure everyone has opinions on this book. But you're the yeah, person to reach out to me about let's that. Let's talk, Adam. Let's talk about this, Adam. What are your thoughts? So, two white guys made this book. And that's where my, my thoughts start. Uh, okay. I didn't realize that until I finished the book. And mm-hmm. I just thought it was kind of odd that there was it just seemed like this doesn't seem authentic in the sense that this doesn't seem like it was coming from a black perspective. It kind of seemed like it was twisted. And I was like, that's so weird. Like, why is that? And then I go to Wikipedia. I'm like, Oh, cause two white guys wrote. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, silly white guys. Silly white guys. Uh, so what's and generally about real quick. Huh? What's this generally about the book? Uh, so it's, there's this, this town, it's a, uh, you know, there's no longer slavery. It's, was it 1917, I want to say, or 20? No, I think it's like 1929. It's sharecroppers. 29. So it's post-Civil War, sharecroppers. It's in Louisiana somewhere. It's Mississippi is about to break. Um, I mean, and that part of it's true. The mm-hmm. part about the levee breaking and them needing to get people together is true. What they add to it is, is this element of this pseudo-Superman character who happens to be black, who enters the situation. I will get into my own conversation about that whole thing later. But so, Adam, that, that's sort of the gist of it to, up to that point in time. Right. So that's that's kind of the point of it. And uh, yeah. So, you know, like I was, I read some articles about it and basically he comes to maybe save the town, maybe not. Who knows what it is. Uh, but it kind of, again, it goes back to it's like whitewashed history where they're, you know, they're, they're trying to make this point and say, you know, oh, we're trying to be progressive and talk about how horrible this era was and this and that but 
when it comes down to it, you, you get praised at the beginning for a white lady who doesn't treat uh, black people like slaves anymore. She pays them a decent wage, which good for her. That doesn't make her a hero. And then everything falls down to the fact that there's this little white girl that, or like white boy that was lost and they thought it, the black people killed it. And so when it's found that, oh, hey, no, it wasn't. Ha ha, the black people are innocent. Okay, that's neat. So you're telling the whole story basically boils down to one white child who was lost and now found. Like it was like the lost sheep. And I, I don't know. I just, it's, it, and a lot of it reminded me of Quentin Tarantino's movies ever since Django Unchained where it's like, oh, well, because we're telling a story about black people and this is what happened then, that's just like free reign to say the N-word whenever we fucking want. Yeah. And it's like, no, I mean, you're not being satirical. You're trying to prove a point that this was a bad time to be to be black, but it doesn't give you carte blanche to like say whatever you want about it. Like I just, it just, it really rubbed me the wrong way. And you know, sadly, like the art is beautiful. This is one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. Like this is, there's so much amazing art in it. Uh, I love that that part of it. But the message in the story just kind of got lost when it was like this. This wasn't authentic. This was just people trying to say what they think was about this history that they have no part of. And you can research history and you can know a lot about it. But if it's not your history, you're never going to see it from your own eyes. And you could tell that while you're reading it. You could tell this was not authentic. This was something that was trying really, really hard. Uh, Am I going to go out there and say it's offensive? No, because I don't take offense at anything. Do I go out there and say it's problematic? And that had the story been told uh, by people who um, maybe had relatives who lived through that or people just in general who like, you know, we'll say black people who have family that went through times like these where like we looked at March volume two last week. I mean, this is the person mm-hmm. who lived it. This is mm-hmm. the people who, right. who know what happened. They were there. They were on the bus. They were being shot at. They were put in jail. And so you can, it is their legacy. And sadly it's also our legacy that, we try to sweep under the rug and pretend doesn't exist, but this just was, and that's why I went with white savior because that's really what for my drink, that's really what these authors were trying to be. It's like, is there a story there that should be told? Yes. Should they have been the ones telling it? No. And I think you could have had a much better story written by the correct people that didn't include black Superman. Well, okay. And I, I agree with you. I think I, I agree with you that the art is beautiful. I think moreover, White writers are not taking that out of consideration. I think that there are a couple of opportunities in the story and neither, none of them are taken because I think if you sit there and you say, there's a hint of it early on in the book where they go, okay, if you taught it, ex- described it and you just described it as black Superman, great. Either in my mind, what I wanted is, is I wanted black Superman to go in and fuck some shit up and get some sort of like, almost like, you know, like retribution kind of thing. Yeah. Django on chain revenge fantasy kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Of like a like Dave, Ch- Dave Chappelle, when you went back in time and killed the white slave owners kind of thing. When he yes, was You know what I mean? Like something like a shaft, something like, like a grind house, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. This time the black guy's going to kill all those white motherfuckers. Like, and I was ready for it. Like I was like, there's a point in time at the beginning. I'm like, Oh you, yeah, exactly. There is some shit now. Oh yeah. And then it doesn't go anywhere. And you know what I mean? It's like, and like, I think that they tried to make that main character. They didn't give him really much of a backstory. He doesn't fucking talk, right? They made him a genius mathematician. Great, fine, whatever. And he pulls a house. And he pulls a house. They don't really show where all that mathematical knowledge benefits the community. Don't really show how it changes. And there's something just odd with the pacing and the layout of the story. There are lots of points in time where like, I felt like it was jarring of like a start-stop. Like It didn't flow well like it was the writing that i felt was like the biggest weakness in this i think visually it's beautiful 
but it's like the way things were right written like there was they were trying to get like sort of an authentic southern sound but it, like it just felt janky like it just didn't really work there was like it jumped from scene to scene too quickly um or like it sort of like led up to something but like didn't really imply what you're supposed to try to get out of it there was a certain amount of like i felt like if you're gonna pay so much attention to all these white assholes i would like them to at least show some sort of learning of something you know what i mean i would disagree with that in the sense that in that time period there was no learning Agreed, but there are some characters who, like, and that's the other fucked up thing is, like, there are characters who could potentially be redeemable who aren't even fucking redeemable. Like, you're like the senator. He's like, okay, he seems to be okay. And then he starts grabbing some woman at the newspaper's ass just because he fucking can't. You know what I mean? And then there's some, you know, woman who is, like, seems to be, like... He grabbed them by the... Yeah, exactly. But there's this, like... There's this, there's this, there's other, this white woman who owns a plantation farm, whatever, who is by all accounts in the book, relatively decent to the sharecroppers who work for her. But then she's still kind of an asshole. Like there are no, there's no redeeming qualities in anybody in this. And like, that's sort of a little bit of like a, I would have at least just like someone to say like, Oh, we pinned it on the wrong guy or we did the wrong fucking thing. Like everyone's sort of an asshole. The only real thing that I kind of like loved about this was watching the fucking KKK member get blown the fuck up. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, that was fun. yeah, like that's the most redeeming quality is like, oh yeah, KKK fucker blows him up. The other thing too is like, and I feel like this is a fucked up missed opportunity, but maybe I'm just evil. But if I were writing it, when the KKK guy shoots the black man, which I can't remember his name, unfortunately, I apologize, who saves the little kid, I think he should have fucking hit the little kid. I think he should have like, because then it's like all of a sudden it's like, your racism fucking killed a white kid. So fuck you, like you're hurting everyone around you, not just like the people you're afraid of. Like in my mind, that's what I would have done. But so there's a there's a really really fun part of Red Dead Redemption Two mm-hmm. where you can go in the woods and you can spy on a whole KKK gathering, and then you can throw like bait in there and make a bunch of wild bears attack and kill them all. Ooh, fun! And the white supremacists got pissed and wanted to sue Rockstar because they said that was a uh, that was harassment and oppression. Yeah, they can go fuck themselves. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway. But that is a really fun part of the game. It just like I mean, yay! <laughs> Shooting Nazis should be the core of every video game because there is nothing better than watching Nazis' head blow up. Oh, they got pissed at uh, Wolfenstein as well when that came out. Yeah, I was just calling for violence against Nazis. I'm like, yep. well, the shoot I'm this. I'm all for it. Punch <laughs> Nazis. Fuck them. Anyways, I've been talking a lot, so. <laughs> and I have too. So I was going to say, Lena, what are your thoughts? So, fun fact, I read a different book. It's <laughs> your turn this time. I had a feeling you might have because Maya almost read one too when I gave her my book. She's like, "Oh, what the fuck is this book?" So this is Strange uh, Fruit. Oh, which is actually a book I want to read, and it is way better than the shit you guys are talking about. Okay. <laughs> um, the thing about this, it's Strange Fruit: Words and Pictures by Joel Christian Gill. He is black. Oh, um, and it is so freaking awesome. Okay. Um, it's totally off topic and I, I do have something to commentary on what you guys were talking about because I did pull up the right book uh-huh. um, but this this version this this comic book strange fruit is several different short stories that talk about um, people that you should know the first the actual first be- like black basketball player oh wow. um, okay the first uh, african-american uh, like uh, professional bicycle uh, oh okay like all these things there there's even one on here of like um 
the very first magician and he was mixed race. So he was half black and half white, but he was light enough that people, and he went overseas. Everyone thought he was Indian instead of being oh, black. Interesting. Oh, interesting. So he got away with being exotic and not a slave. Mm. So these stories are actually really, really interesting. So if you're looking for a strange fruit, I suggest from what <laughs> I've been hearing, and yeah. what I read, um, I would look for the, it's called Strange Fruit, Uncelebrated Narratives from Black History, Words and Pictures by Joel Christian Gill. Um, it's really, really good. Okay. So I read the wrong book. However, I However I'm up, not more fascinated with your book. I'd much rather read that book than this <laughs> yeah. one, too. This book was really good. Really, really good. That's why I was, when you guys were like, I have thoughts. And I was like, how do you have thoughts about this? Like, this? about this. Yeah, this exactly. Great. Yeah. Um, so my my drinking ta- game actually fits with my book, not <laughs> yours. But yeah. either way, um, with you guys talking and, and kind of looking at this and everything and realizing it was two white guys that wrote it, I took a um, African-American theater class when I was in, at UConn. Mm-hmm. One of the like four fucking universities I went to while I was trying to get my degree. Anyway. Um, you do. I, we, one of the, the things that, that our teacher had given us was, and of course he's like this unbelievably amazing, like playwright, black man playwright. And it's like a, and it's Yukon. So there's like no black kids. Um, mm-hmm. So it's Salt Lake. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, basically, the only black kids on campus really are like the basketball players, the football team. Mm-hmm. Um, so no one in theater. So he, our, one of our assignments was pick a, a play. And you, that's, that's, that's based on African-American history. And so I had picked this play that, that they had performed at NCSA. God help me. I cannot for the life of me remember this. It's like, um, you said. Showboat? No, it was. Oh, NCSA did weird shit. NCSA, it was like very strange, but it was a, it was a play about black people written by a white playwright. Mm -hmm. And my teacher was really intrigued. Because the way that the language was written out was to write out how you sit, like it was all phonetically written so that you would say it in that like accent, very, it was like writing out Ebonics kind of thing. Yeah, that's always tricky and kind of racist. Yeah, kind of the whole like yes, a massa type thing. A little bit. Exactly, exactly. It was that type of thing where it was. There was no interpretation. It was when a black person talked, this is how you say it, because that's how it was written. It wasn't like the director decided to have it, you know, to, ha- to put this kind of spin on it. That's how the playwright wrote it. And my professor was like, what do you think about this? And I was like, you know, I never really thought about it. He goes, I didn't think you would. He goes, it's not a bad play. The, the premise of what they're talking about isn't bad. He goes, but don't you think it's kind of interesting that they're not giving directors or anybody? It's like, he goes, that's a stage direction. That's a director saying, put this kind of accent. Or that's a character, that, that's an actor deciding, like, does this fit with my character? He goes, no, this is the playwright. And he goes, it seems very stereotypical and mm-hmm. fairly prejudiced. And I'm like, fuck, you're right. Like, it's just, and it's things like that that you don't realize until you look at shit like this where you're like, so, and what? that makes the dialogue <laughs> in this book even the worse. Like, if you really look at it, because like they've put in a lot of that sort of shit. And like, granted, some of it's just southern, quote unquote. But there is a certain amount of like writing it to be that way. And like, my personal opinion, as far as theater goes, is if it is 
imperative to the plot that the character speaks a specific way, then yes, by all means, write it into that. If that's a character trait or whatever, but don't fucking write every character like that. Mm. You know, writing every single character that way, I think does come off as a bit racist. I think you're right. You know what I mean? Um, well, and it goes back to what we were talking about was, you know, trying to, the, the one thing that stood out to me so much, the fact that, you know, when, the, when this, this, you know, this, this being, whoever he is, comes to earth, you know, he gets out and he's naked. And so, they give him a Confederate flag to put around, you know, his genitals and his, his ass and stuff. And it's like, okay, I can just see the writers being like, Oh, what would be so offensive to white supremacists? Let's use a Confederate flag for this. Yeah. It'll be edgy. And like, and, and they, they hold on to it for book. a little too long too, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and they, they call it out in the book and like people get pissed at it. And it's like, Oh, okay. I, I guess like, I don't know. It just, it, it, again, it seemed like it was pandering and trying too hard. And that's, I, I don't know. I will say to that, if it was just that first scene, I'm that's fine with different. It. But they ran with it for like the whole book. That's the problem. I agree with you. Like that's the problem where like they kept with it for quite a while. That I think that that's where it ends up getting a little too pandering, a little too white savory, a little bit all along those lines. Uh, Lynn, do you have anything else to add, or do you want me to jump to Todd? No, if we were talking about the book I read, then I'd have plenty to talk about. But um, <laughs> this is what I like to do. I'm going to go talk to Todd for a little bit. I would like to come back and hear more about your book, though. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Mr. Todd, what are your thoughts? So, I suggested this book. Let's be yes, clear. you did. And with that being said, you also is... did preface it. I will say as well. You you did sort of say, "Hey, you know, by the way." It's right. Not... By the way, let's be clear. And it sometimes. I think the intent was good. The execution was a bit misguided. And what's interesting, I mean, let's talk about the people that made this a lot for a little bit. Mark Wade did the scripting. This is the guy that did Kingdom Come. And this is one of them. Yeah, he's no slouch. I just, I'm not a fan of the favorite book Kingdom Come. Yeah. And this, not everyone hits it out of the park at every swing every time. This is a bit of a miss. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's um, it's one of the things is like, boy, did you miss? I think your heart was in the right place. Oh, I don't disagree with that at all. No, yeah, right. So I think your heart was in the right place, and you're giving it a go, but you're a little bit um, like you're you're out of your depth. And it's what's an interesting thing to watch here because I was also thinking about as I suggested it is um, we've got myself that's as a you know a cis straight white guy. And Brian, that's in similar terms. And, you similar? know, you look at the same. You're very Metro, Brian. I'm Metro? I'm not fancy enough <laughs> to be Metro. Dude, 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 you're you're so much more to be Metro. than I am. That's just because I live in California. That's flat out it. That's, you are so, in Utah. So my boss keeps on getting hit on by gay guys at the gym, but back yeah. when the gym was a thing. Yeah. And he's calling yeah. his wife. He's like, why, why do guys? And she's like, oh, you're just very Metro. And I was like, Okay, so what does she describe as Metro? Because you're not. She's like, well, I just take care of myself. I'm like, that's that's part of it, but you're not Metro. Just, just gay guys like you. Just deal with it. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, oh, I, for the compliment. Oh, <laughs> I am so fucking flattered when a gay guy hits on me. Oh, oh my god, how was that? Right? Me I, had days. A, I had a coworker, a peer of mine, a manager, and he says, "Dude, I've got this employee. His name was Balthazar. Isn't mm-hmm. that like the best name?" Like Balthazar's got such a crush on you, Tom. I'm like, dude, that's so awesome. He's like, why? He's like, someone has a crush on me. That makes me feel so good. Oh, it's flattering, like, no matter what. Male, I'm gonna female, walk high for a week. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I'm like, nothing's gonna happen. It's just yeah. someone looks at me and like going, "Hey, I dig that." And I'm yeah. like, 
Yeah, someone digs me. Dude, I feel great. I get thrilled about the fact that Ellen's dog seems to really like me. Like, I'm like, okay, great. Right. Someone thinks I'm cool. This is fantastic. Let's do right. it. Right. I mean, this and how this swings you. back to the book again Aww. is someone's like, hey, there's a story that should be written. I haven't seen anyone write it. Maybe we should do it because no one else says, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And it was a bit off target. I think that, yeah, I think their intentions were, I don't know what was going on. I don't on. know, right? I don't know. I don't know. But from my perspective, I think what was going on is they had all the best intentions. And then they went, oh, shit, we're white guys. This is some turbulent uh turbulent tur- turbulent sea to navigate i the and little I think, cory reckon Ardberg. yes i think they got i think they just didn't know i think they, I think they jumped into something and went we're not quite sure how to get out of this i think they didn't know how to get out of it or i don't think they knew what to commit to what would be a better way like i think it was it in the terms of mr miyagi Walk left side, good. Walk right side, gr- good. Walk middle, squashed just like great. I think that's exactly what happened here. You know what I mean? Like, they I got squashed. The thing got squashed, I think they just stayed two in the middle. And like J.G. Jones' star work is brilliant. and It's amazing. It is such work. a beautiful book. But he even, there's a couple of spots that he stumbles. There's this point in time where they're trying to show him uh, getting his power back to a certain extent and pushing... Mm-hmm. The, the thing up but with the way the panels are laid out it doesn't read quite right like i had to go back and like wait that doesn't quite make sense in the order of things so try to uh-huh. page spread like there's like little missteps here or there but they seem to be in pivotal moments which right at least to my perspective which is sort of a bit of a problem what's so interesting with this book is it's kind of a bit of a case study of i don't disagree what they were going for yeah it's no i don't the, either um, and you take a look at it, and you take a look at the sum of their parts. Between the artist and the writer, it sounds like an all-star kind of book. Because J.G. Jones yeah. is an artist, is a heavy hitter. Mark Wade is a writer, is the definition well, of like a the heavy hitter. Well, and the by Elvis Mitchell, who is like a very well-renowned film commentator critic. Like He had some like filmmaker interview podcast early mm-hmm. on in podcast world that I fucking love. Like he does some fantastic interviews, like lots of heavy hitters involved all over the place in this. And they missed what's so interesting. And sometimes it's the, sometimes people say you learn more from your failures than your success. I, I 100% oh, agree. You learn so yeah. much more from failure. Yeah. Okay. And what's interesting is you don't hear, I say here, most people, they talk about the, um, cv of these guys this isn't listed yeah but this mess i mean and this was from 2016 this wasn't that long ago this was four years ago but it's already not listed among their cv of work it came from boom studios so they thought this was a decent idea too of an up and coming and it's what i find so fascinating is like again the art's amazing you've got this all-star writer this heavy hitter writer and it's not necessarily the best thing you take a look at the high concept the elevator pitch sounds great yeah absolutely hey we're gonna do a 1920s book in the south where there's a black superman and he's gonna save the town and you're like dude i'm sold let's take that's not really what comes out was it a miss because it's two white guys maybe like what's their ability to relate to this i I don't i don't think it's the sheer fact that they're white i think it's the fact that they didn't have enough to commit to one side or the other is what I think. And previous to this, they have been crazy successful previous to this project. Yeah. You take a look at this. Why did they do this project? Because they wanted to. Mm -hmm. So 
hats off to doing something that they wanted to that would not, and it's off-brand for both of them. Yeah. But this is a pure work of fiction that's taking place in a setting that actually happened. Yeah. So I can see so many spitball conversations of, isn't this a great idea? Aren't we being so progressive? Aren't we being so good? And they just, um, no one sticks the landing every time. Agreed. And I, I think that the most... But you look at the artwork, yeah. you look at the artwork, it's amazing. You look at the yeah. scripting, did he do enough research? I'm not sure research was necessarily the answer. I think he missed the tone. I think he missed... Um, this is a guy from... Yeah, I'm not sure where Mark Wade lives. My guess is California. Here's the thing is, I'm going to put this out there. I, I'm i going to put this in, in, in terms from my work, is I know very, very talented artists. And no matter what they do, they're going to do great work. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. going to put great work out there. doesn't necessarily mean that the work that they're contributing to is always solid. You know? Right. Um, sure. And like in this circumstance, J.G. Jones, he pitched this. This was an idea he was passionate about. But... It, a, he was smart enough to go to another writer and say, look, I need you to write this. This is my idea. I need you to write this. Right. It's outside my wheelhouse. Correct. Like, he knows, like, I'm a great artist, or at least I hope he knows he's a great artist, because he is a fa fantastic artist. But it's Beautiful. Yeah. But he knew enough to say, I can't write this. I'm going to have someone else do it. But um, I think that the, whoever he brought in to write, I think that it would have been better to have someone that, that maybe had more involvement into the story some way or another you know what i mean uh in the in the, the epilogue or the follow-up or the whatever jj jones talks about the fact that he was raised in the south i think it's a he is it a, a she i'm assuming it's a he he, he it's a he. Jim. jim his name is jim okay he was raised in louisiana so like this was that part of the story was personal to him it was part of the history of the area in which he was raised similar to a lot of us would be um not you, Lena, but Todd and I would be uh, identify with the story about Mormon pioneers or something to that effect. Like that's something we've been told growing up. Our grandparents have told us about shit like that. So, okay. We have a certain amount of identity to it. I don't know where Mark White comes in this perspective on this. In fact, he's a great writer. Typically. I just don't think that he yeah. connects to this the way that he potentially should. So sure. He has done great work in the past. I'm not sure. How much was this a paid gig versus a passion gig? Well, and here's the thing too, though, is, is even if it's passion and, and that, that calls into question the importance of an editor, because I mean, sometimes people who can have passion projects, but they need guidance. And maybe this is a situation where that happens as well. So see the, the whole point of this, I, I go back to Jurassic Park. It's like, we were so worried <laughs> yeah. to wonder if we could, we didn't think if we should. Yeah. And I, I fully agree that I do believe that these, Everyone involved in this, their hearts were 100% in the right place. I think they saw something that was a travesty that happened in the past, and they really wanted to bring it to the attention of people who may not see it. And I, right. I think that's very commendable. I, I really, really do. But were they the right people to tell it? From my, my world, it's like we see a lot of times you know, with Hollywood and, and media where we call it straight washing. Where, okay, mm -hmm. we're going to show these gay characters, like, and we're going to have them act a certain way, and we're going to bring light to the fact that this is, like, what they go through, and these are some struggles they face, or, you know, tra transgender, or, you know, other people in the LGBT spectrum, um, but they don't know, and they don't get it, and so then they sit back, and they wonder why people are upset that Eddie Redmayne, who is a cis male, is playing a trans woman, and they're mm -hmm. like, well, no, but he... You know, he did such a good job, and we're telling this really important, amazing story. Like, why are you upset? And it's like, 
you don't understand that, you know, if, you know, with trans women, like, you know, they are a woman, they identify as woman, they are a woman. And so our buddy, uh, Lucas, he was saying that, you know, if, if anyone ever did a story on my life and there was a, a movie, he said, I would want at least a cis male actor. If I didn't have a trans actor playing my role, they should be a cis actor of the same gender. And, and I, I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So, sure. and again, I, I can't, and I really wish Maya could be here because I know she would have a lot to say because this is coming from something that I can't understand. Maybe she would be fine with it. I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly can't say that because I, I'm not in her position and I never can be, but it just goes back to like, yes, I, I believe their hearts in the right place. And I do not fault them for wanting to do a good thing. I fault them for maybe dipping their toes into a pond they shouldn't have been in the first place. I, and I think that it becomes this difference between being um, an ally versus being a spokesperson. And perhaps they aren't the right people to be the spokesperson for the story. Like they could be an ally. And maybe what would have been a better choice is to maybe foster young talent who could identify with this content a little bit more. And maybe J.G. Jones illustrates, but maybe he has a young black writer who helps influence that story or even an editor to help influence that story. Something to that effect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To get a little bit more yeah. of what that is. I think part of, for me as like the, from the storytelling aspect, part of the problem is, is I, I, I've been thinking about it since we discussed it a little bit earlier in the show is right. that the fact that none of the, no one grows from it. Yes. Granted the characters at the time probably wouldn't, you know what I mean? They'd be racist fucks no matter what, but as an mm. audience member for a sense of closure from the story, you need that. Like in my opinion, like you need, a character for you to feel like what you've read is worthwhile. You need someone to realize, Oh fuck, we're assholes. Like you just need someone to do that. That being said, Lena, I would like to hear about your comic book, which seems a much more positive experience than the one we read. Not that we hated it, but sounds more positive in general. Yeah. So, so my, my uh, graphic novel of strange fruit is very much, um, it reminds me the way that it's drawn, and I don't know if he's like super washed out. Okay, okay. Um, there we go. It feels very uh, as I was reading it. It felt very like. Do you remember the cartoon Doug? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. So the, the art, nematode. Yes. So <laughs> the um, he it felt very similar to that kind of that drawing. So it's nine stories that are all like black activists. Um, the one, the big, the first story is about Henry Box Brown, and um, he was a slave in Virginia who escaped slavery by shipping himself in a crate to Philadelphia. So, um, and he ended up beca- he ended up moving to England, and he was like very outspoken about slavery, and um, he was an abolitionist and every like he it was like, his story is amazing. And um, the it's funny because he talks about being born and he was born into slavery and he's like it like there's a picture of him in the fields and he's like this stinks and then he grows up and he has to he's like working with tobacco and every like the first few times you hear him talk and he's like this stinks mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, he gets married and at the wedding, he's like, this does not stink. Right. So like, this does not stink. This does not stink. And so he, um, he like ships himself to Philadelphia and becomes this like prolific, uh, 
spokesperson against slavery and everything. And then um, the next one is about um, the Lou family of Massachusetts um, bound by music. And like, there's all these things where they talk about this um, Richard Potter's greatest illusion. And he's the one that I had said that he was mixed race. He was passing. Um, he had a little bit of tint to his skin. So, um, and he had, he like moved out of um, the States and had traveled kind of all over. And when he came back to the States, he wore very like traditional um, Indian and not American Indian, like Indian, Indian garb. And everyone thought that he was this like exotic magician and all these things and the crazy stuff that he did. And he didn't tell anyone until on his deathbed that he was actually black. And they said, they dubbed that his like greatest illusion. Cause he got, he was so praised and you know, all these white people would pay all this money to see him. Cause they thought Fucking white this, people, man, what they the thought fuck? he was this like exotic, amazing man. And he was, you know, and most of this stuff is set in uh, the new England area or like, are, are people that escape slavery or black people that are in the like Northeast where it's supposed to be very progressive, but you start realizing it wasn't really that progressive. We're just not as shitty as everyone down South. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's like not as bad as it could have been, but it really wasn't all that great. And um, there was a bit of that kind of white savior piece, but it didn't come through because it very, it was, it was very much like, this is their story. This is what they did. These are the things that you should know about these people that you have never heard of. And um, the stories are really, really interesting. And that's why when you guys started talking, I was like, I don't understand why don't you like this book? I was like really excited. To talk about it. And then you guys, and then I was like, I read the wrong strange fruit. Um, this was much better. <laughs> yeah. Like so can talk- we talk about strange fruit references? You want to talk about the song? Yeah, Ella Fitzgerald. A, it's a haunting song, no matter what. It like, is really haunting. And but creepy. did you ever listen to the Verve remix albums? Are you familiar with those? No. So what ended up happening, I think it's, I don't remember who put them out, but um, in the 2000s, what, what happened is the old Verve recordings, uh, Verve being an old um, jazz record label, um, they would do remixes with modern artists. And so there is a remix of Strange Fruit with the guitarist from the band Tool, which is just fucking trippy. I'm surprised you haven't heard of this, Todd. Like, it's fucking crazy. Wow. Yeah, I think it's on Verb Remix Volume 2, if I remember correctly. Wow, Um, Brian heard something before we did. Oh. Okay, this is over a decade old, almost two decades old, so y'all can go fuck yourself. That's not hipster as shit, okay? That's like (laughs) 20 years old. Fuck you. I've had too much wine, but whatever. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, that song is fucking haunting as shit. And then you add in like this weird sort of solemn slash sultry guitar, like haunting just fucking like it's fucking tool guitar you know right I mean? like, it's tool it's kind of what you would expect from the guitarist from tool but it's like it's spooky and elka share lyrics and like lots of reverb and like it just Dude, adam jones is the man he is and that song will fuck you up like it flat out will but so, with up. strange fruit i mean it's sung by ella fitzgerald which is a jazz singer from before our time 
And the general idea with strange fruit is it's of a tree of people being hanged or lynched. Yes. And it's of um, black people that are hanging on a tree. And so the song in and of itself is a reference to the bodies being fruit of the tree of itself. So when you, yeah. So when you say strange fruit, but really comes to mind of people that are in the know, it's of um, dead bodies being hung on the tree. Yeah. So I, just to clarify, it, it's not, um, I mean, Ella Fitzgerald did do, do the song, but the original right. was actually Billie Holiday. Okay, you're right. So it so, was Billie Holiday. Uh, Nina so, Simone also did a version of it as well. Yeah. Well, and so it's, based, it's, it's based on a poem by a, a, a Abel Mirpool. Mirpool? Mirpool. Maybe. I have no idea. It's M-E-E-R-O-P-O-L. Okay. Um, and I'll, I, so it's funny because the, the one that I read actually talked about like why he named his book Strange Fruit. And um, because it's talking about, he, he said that he decided to call my painting Strange Fruit Harvested, he cut the rope, um, showing me with a noose around my neck, holding the frayed end. Um, and so the whole point of this book was for him to talk about people who cut the rope and were able to kind of free themselves from the bullshit of slavery and um, kind of rise above. So I thought that was interesting. But yeah. That's really interesting because, you know, you talk about rise above and people say, like, the general American dream is you can um, start from nothing, rags to riches. And people's like, oh, look at this one exam- anecdotal example of rags to riches. There's no issue here. We've got this. The problem is when you point out is we've got the one example. And no, there are so many people that never, I mean, it's the, um, because the exception, the exception proves the rule of the issue. I think the other part of that too, though, Todd, and something that I found really interesting about this was he wanted to talk about people who cut the rope because we don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just, I never, I didn't know about any of these people. These stories are so interesting. And it's just, that's why I'm like, I don't understand. Like it becomes the exception because no one ever feels like they've never heard about it. It lives in this like mysterious, well, did it really happen? Mm -hmm. Is this true? Are you like, it's just, it's just talking about. Yeah. So, and, and that's how it becomes the exception rather than being more broad because you never talk about it. You never yeah. hear about any of these people and the amazing yeah. things that they did um, by by not you know by bucking against this the this horrible system. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's it sort of reminds me of like I love my grandfather. I share a name with him because that's where my middle name comes from. But like mm-hmm. that dumb bastard would never wear a seatbelt because he would always cite the one story that came up in the news of the person who died from wearing their seatbelts, not the thousands upon thousands of people who were saved by wearing a seatbelt. It was the one fucker who didn't wear a seatbelt who survived. And eventually he got a ticket for it. And suddenly he wore a seatbelt. Go figure. Um, also, yes, uh, Strange Fruit. It's the Tricky slash Tool remix uh, with the artist is Billy Holiday from the first reverb, uh, verb, verb remix album is on Spotify. If you are interested in that particular song. Uh, is okay. That? So yes. Sounds great. I, I wish I could play it on the show, but with the way we have it. Probably not. No, probably not. That's but. where the magical powers of editing come into play. That's also the magic powers of you have your own Spotify. Go listen oh, to yeah, yourself. you can't do that, yeah. 
Yeah, go listen to it yourself. You'll be okay. So one of the saddest things I read this week is that Sony has now um, put a five-second delay on um, Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. <laughs> so there is a quiet uh, copyright notice at the beginning of Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up on YouTube now. So they have effectively killed the Rick roll from this point No, forward. they've effectively killed the legally licensed Rick roll. Fuck them. There will always be a rebellious... <laughs> You know, well, and not only that, but why it got them so much play. More people knew finally knew who Rick Astley was after that. By the way, total side tangent my sister is 10 years younger than me, and when she was <laughs> in high school, she they do this like talent show every year. Which, fun fact, one of my friends from high school started this talent show on a yearly basis, like the annual talent show that they did. And they, in the like, in the intermission they Rick rolled the whole audience and just started playing it. And these two kids behind me were probably sophomores, maybe freshmen. And the one kid looks, the other one goes, dude, did you know that this guy's white? And I was like, Oh God, I'm too old to be here. here." I was like, not only is he white, he's a ginger. Yeah. Because like, he was like, he goes, did you realize he's white? And he's like, no, man, he can't be white. And he goes, yeah, he's got red hair too, man. He's like, Indian <laughs> or something. And I was like, oh my God, how I can't, I need to go. Like, I was alive <laughs> when this song came out. I can't, I gotta go. Like, I can't be here. <laughs> and Lena aged 40 years in between <laughs> walking from her seat. Like, She's like, <laughs> back in my day, yeah. we knew who Rick Astley was. And he did not roll us. And he yeah. walked up two here to play them. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, I'm drunk and I'm calling an end to this shit. Uh, so <laughs> so freaking drunk. I, I mean, this was a full bottle of wine. There's a little bit left, and I still have a glass, but this bottle of wine is not last yep. tonight. I apologize. Um, so, and I've been playing with the uh, Ugadal. Ugadal? The Cory Grecorin. The Cory Grecorin. And the House Rose. And I've been playing back and forth. Todd's going to hell in the morning. Todd's going to hell in the I've got to talk shit. about my EBITDA tomorrow. EBITDA? And for those that know, it sucks. And for those that don't know, good for you. Great. So, so yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> what is your grade on your book, Lena? Because it's different uh, than yours. My book? Yes. I'm going to say A+. Plus. It was awesome. Nice. I highly recommend that everybody check out my version of Strange Fruit. <laughs> oh, it's yours now. White appropriation. Well, I see how I it know. is. Oh! Which I feel fits the theme for your version of yes, Strange Fruit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one last time, because I know that it's not what we were talking about before, but it's um, Strange Fruit, Uncelebrated Narratives from Black History, Words and Pictures by Joel Christian Gill. Um, please go go purchase it. It's on Kindle and Amazon. Um, it's not expensive, and it's freaking amazing. And I suggest everyone read it because it's some really cool stories. Fantastico. Uh, going back to the book that we read, <laughs> Adam, what is your grade? So I, overall, I'm going to go with a C. Uh, the reason being is that 
the art is beautiful. We didn't talk about it as much as we, we could have, but it really is one of the more beautiful books I've ever read. Uh, but I, I have to lower the score because, again, I really truly believe the author's place and, and the artist's place was in, their heart was in the right place. Uh, but it just goes back to, should they have done this? No. But I, I, I give them the credit for, for wanting to make a difference and obviously trying really hard at it and creating something that was beautiful to look at, but it's just too problematic and there's too much of like, oh, let's let's make a point by being edgy or doing this or doing that. Or it, again, there was just, there was too much there that I, I, I couldn't give, give the, some credit where it's deserved. And also there's like, we talked about like the, 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 the main, we'll call him black Superman. Like, Oh, we're going to put him in the Confederate flag the whole time. Cause won't that piss people off? Like, yeah, you don't need to do that. Just tell a good story. And we, we saw a really good story with March volume two. And I'm hoping we'll see more good stories later this month. Uh, Unfortunately, this one just wasn't one of them. So um, I'm going to agree with most of your points there, and um, but I'm just going to up it just ever slightly. I'm going to go with a B minus. I felt like I think the art carries it enough that I think it's worth at least looking at, but I think that it's misguided. Um, but like watching a, a KKK member blow himself up, kind of rewarding. I kind of appreciate. Yeah, that, that. was fun. So I'll, I'll go a little bit higher on that, uh, Mr. Todd. What is your grade? So essentially at this, let's talk about the art on how amazing it was. It's as beautiful as Kingdom Come was with yeah, another Mark Waite story. Yeah. So Alex Ross did Kingdom Come, and you're like, this is a, every page is a painting, and this is every page is a painting. The scripting, less so. And it's, it's again, I just think it was a uh, best foot forward, but you just missed, dude. You missed the free throw. What's going on? And Mark, I uh, appreciate you took the assignment, but maybe not quite right. And it's, there's a soft spot. I mean, take a look at this and I'm going to keep it in my library. I mean, sometimes the, again, the failures are more as informative as the success. And what's interesting to watch here is what I don't understand. So it again, I'm going to give it a C. The art is a plus. The writing is, I think he wrote a different assignment than what should have been done, what he was hired for. And I think he just misunderstood what was going on because he lacked context. So I don't really necessarily want to fault Mark White, but he um, he missed and he missed and I'm pretty drunk. <laughs> okay. So there's that. So yeah, uh, there we go. Great. I think that we will probably call it at that because I think... A lot of us are fairly drunk at this point in time. Uh, and Sass- I'm not drunk. I'm well, not drunk. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, next week, we're going to be reading Harlem Hellfighters by Max Brooks, illustrated by Kanan White, uh, which is about a all-black um, uh, infantry and in, I think, World War II. Don't quote me on that. I'll have to read it. Um, but Sasquatch has his support of the show. We are the only podcast that is Sasquatch endorsed. So fuck yes. all of the podcasts. Sasquatch says we're okay. Um, and we will see you yes. all later. <laughs> Just do thumbs up. <laughs> yes! Bye! Bye!